up y'all what's up y'all welcome to another episode of we don't know her i'm katie and i'm christy and uh we did say that this week we were going to have like some really exciting guests and we still are going to have but when we say when we said this week we meant we meant next week right we meant like at, at one some week point. like a week we'll have right a special guest that you right, should be right, really right. excited about and um so just stay tuned <laughs> stay tuned you for know, that there might have been like some scheduling issues or just you know just some behind the scenes technical difficulties technical, right so we're uh you know unfortunately don't be disappointed it's just just us this week we're the guests this week we're the guests yeah. our past selves <laughs> and present selves right we are the guests so uh, this week we're taking a little bit of a turn off of the schedule, and we've decided that we're going to talk about jobs. Jo- I am <laughs> I am job. Simply put, jobs, jobs, uh, the jobs that we've had, how they've made us the women that we are today, and how they've helped steer us into the careers that we've decided to pursue for now. Anyway, who knows where we'll end up? But yes, well, I wanted to give a quick shout out to our friend Sam, who kind of inspired this episode because mm-hmm. it is such a heavy topic for us that has a lot of good conversation and it's such a blaringly obvious topic in our lives and we want to shout out Sam because she thought of it and we didn't think of it. I know. I don't know how we missed it but we were so excited when she suggested it because we have some some good shit to share especially from a standpoint of getting to know yourself and relationships all of those things so shout out Sam. Yeah thank you Sam. Uh, Sam I mean, thanks for our support in general. You're the best. But <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we just kind of want to like dive in into what we, how, where it all began for us, basically, because it's important to note that we've been working since we were pretty young. I started working when I was, I don't know, 15, 16, something like that. Um, so we've picked up a lot of odd jobs. I think you were probably around the same. Yeah, I think I started image. working. I started working pretty much as soon as I was old enough. Right off the So. Wind. 14 I think was my first job and I yeah I had a couple you know stupid retail jobs that were they were good enough they were good to start out with but I think the meat of our career history it really it's more specifically a job because it was never it wasn't going to be a career for us but but we had two very formative jobs in our lives that put us both through the ringer in a lot of different ways and we really came out with a lot of insight to ourselves and life in general because I think with jobs in particular it feels separate than your real life so Mm -hmm. you kind of you don't really see the connections that are being made with your life at your job that you would say like with your family or friends or a boyfriend you know right so I think with us we just we got a lot out of both of our experiences yeah we were in them for a long time so I know like I started off um, you know, bartending, waitressing, that stuff for a few years. And then I guess when I was about 18, 18, almost 19, somebody, a friend of mine suggested that I could work at a daycare center that she worked at. And um, it was daytime hours. That's all I need to know. I had no interest in children. I had no interest in being around children. But the pay was pretty good. The hours were easy. So I got signed up. And that was my first entry into like the real world outside of serving because mm-hmm. I had known that world very well. But this was a totally different thing. Um, and that led me to childcare that I was in for then 10 years. Yes. And do you want to dive in a little bit to 
what your experience was like as a whole because you were nannying for 10 years Mm -hmm. which is a huge part of your life why was it so formative for you oh my gosh there's so much um (laughs) so I think like overall I think one of the the big takeaways from it was that I so I switched when I was working at a daycare I eventually found out that I could be making more money and working better hours and only taking care of one child as opposed to 15 and I started nannying and that was pretty quick so I only worked at the daycare for about a year oh right and then I went right into just to you know clarify Mm -hmm. how I got to nannying but then I started nannying and um I was kind of a I really didn't ever I, I I was a little lazy, a little flaky. Uh, I had a really hard time. Like, I, if I was tired, you know, it was really hard for me to overcome that. Like, I would just call out on things. And most of the jobs, like all of those waitressing jobs and things that I named, I quit them by just never showing up again. Ghosted them. Ghosted them. And I did that with relationships at that point in my life as well. Um, I, I just, I didn't want to deal with it. You know, it wasn't that I thought I was, like, better than than that or something like that. So Well, you were, like, what, 19, 20? Yeah, yeah. I was young. It was my late teens, early 20s. I was young and immature. And then getting into nannying right when I did around, you know, 19 was the best thing that ever happened in terms that you can't miss work when you're a nanny. And especially for the types of people that I nannied for that were doctors, lawyers, dentists, people that have – they have appointments. They have other people that are counting on them, sometimes life or death literally Mm -hmm. and if i'm late someone's surgery could be late aka someone could die and that pressure snaps you in real quick yeah yeah and i was like oh okay and it i felt like it was i refer to it as like my military training Mm -hmm. you know like it was and it's funny because the the job that i started off with in nannying was the most demanding like the first family no that's not true not the first the second family was the most demanding they were both doctors and just their schedules were really intense in the terms of what I needed to do for the job and how reliable I had to be. And as my years went on, it, the families kind of got easier and more flexible, which was for the best because early on I really needed that like mm-hmm. hardcore training. Scared straight. Yeah. 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 And I, I do think like there's a lot of things I took away from Manning that we can like touch on, you know, later on. But I think that's kind of my main takeaway. And I know that you know, like at the same time that I started nannying, you literally started. We started probably at the same year. If you're around your the same year, um, yeah, because I was out of a relationship at that point, and I think I was living back at home, and I was, I didn't go to college, so yeah, it was like around the time that I would be a freshman in college or yeah, so. like eighteen, nineteen, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and then you started working at. I mean, we won't. Do you want to say the name of the place or no? No, we don't have to name names. Yeah, but, we name but it was it. I, I basically I found this job through a newspaper ad back when that's what you did back in my day. Um, I found and it in the newspaper. Yeah. <laughs> in my day, she I just looked it up in the ads. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, I really did, and I because I had no formal training in any other job. I was fresh out of high school. The only thing that I knew that I could use to my advantage was the fact that I was. I mean, a pretty diligent typer. I was good at data entry, that kind of thing, Mm -hmm. detail-oriented, all of those things. I was just naturally that way anyway. So um, I just looked for jobs that would cater to those things. And I found this small local magazine that I worked for in – it was located in Delaware County. (laughs) But it was entry-level job, didn't really need a whole lot of experience. They paid well. And, um, you know, for a first quote unquote real job, it seemed 
fine. I didn't know anything else. I had no standards. So at that point, I just kind of was going with the flow. And I ended up staying there for seven years. So almost just as long as you were nannying. Mm -hmm. But a good chunk of my of my brain development age as a young adult. And the things that I took away from that were more so personal gains in terms of how I now see myself, um, care about standing up for myself, speaking up for what's right for the greater good, that whole thing. I think that's kind of where the seed was initially planted. It then took many, many years for me to get a little bit better at it. But um, just because the environment was toxic and you had to learn to speak up for yourself and yeah and do it in a way that was justified and I wasn't just being an obnoxious employee that was you know complaining about something that was insignificant but it was like truly like it it became a soul-sucking experience for me yeah because it wasn't just like that you because there's a lot of people I think out there who have data entry jobs or jobs that you know are soul-sucking for sure and can really just crush your spirit but I just want to let it be known for your job, you know, that it was more of like a true circus where everyone well, there was, was just behaving like it lunatics. Was, it was the environment more so than the job itself. It, right. If it was just mundane data entry job right. in an office, that'd be one thing. I could totally survive. And yeah, it would probably not be fulfilling for very long, but I would get good experience in life in general. It wouldn't be toxic. It wouldn't yeah. be toxic. That's, that is the the deciding factor of this experience was just that the environment was unreal and it was it was my relationships with those people the environment the types of people that work there the the owners every every interpersonal relationship in that place was i unfathomable it yeah. was and that's really what affected me the most it was um all of that combined so yeah and i think like it's very representative of where you're at mentally at the time because we were both in these jobs because we were not interested in going back to school or trying to really apply ourselves. We really were coasting and neither of us really care about having a lot of money. We wanted to be stable. We wanted to feel job security, which is why we stayed in these jobs. But we we didn't have a desire to like get rich or make a ton of money or like, you know, climb the ladder or whatever. Like It just wasn't really there for us. And at the same time, though, we hadn't quite figured out that, okay, so if we don't have that desire to make a ton of money, then we at least better love what we do and be happy. (laughs) Or else what's the point of anything that you're doing? It's Mm -hmm. either money or happiness or ideally both. But at that point, we were just kind of stuck. Well, we were naive, I think, in a way. You know, we weren't really given a lot of direction going out into the world. Mm -hmm. And although we may have been coasting I don't believe that we were doing it in a way where we didn't want to work we had a work ethic it was oh yeah it was more so you know we had a work ethic we had a desire to we just didn't have like a vision yeah like we were just kind of doing what we could to get by very day-to-day yeah we were taking things like day-to-day week-to-week um we weren't really focusing on what our big plan yeah long term yeah we really didn't And I think at that time, though, a big reason for that is because we were so uh, drained mentally by our by our jobs. And it's not that throughout my dining career, I want to make it clear, I worked for multiple families. Some of them were fantastic and some of them not as much. And uh, it was more so that just working with children day in and day out, no matter how much you love them and 
is training. Ask any mom you know, ask any parent, any dad, anyone you know that spends, you know, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. with children under the age of five for 10 years straight. You start to lose it a little Mm -hmm. bit. And uh, I think that it's just that we were so exhausted mentally and mostly mentally, Mm -hmm. maybe sometimes physically, from our jobs that we couldn't even plan. And we've talked about this before on our other episodes. Survival mode. Right. When you're in survival mode, you're only thinking day to day, minute to minute, and you're you're unable to plan for the future. Right. So I think that looking back, I think that we, had we had different experiences or different jobs, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm grateful for having gone through as toxic as it was and as grueling as it was for both of us. I think that it, you know, just like everything else in our lives, it really just shows, um, you know, that it's made us who we are now, mm-hmm. but it, it's still very triggering when you think about it because I think the toll that it did take on us, it began to manifest in our relationships with other people, whether we realized it or not. I know for myself when I was at the peak of my soul leaving my body at that job, it I had you know a poor relationship at home with my significant other. I yeah just partied a lot and like I know that that all does come with age as well so it's kind of a combination of the two but again it was just kind of living in the moment all of the time and really not caring you know right there was no direction there was really no desire or ambition to do better it was just kind of like well this is I make good money and the other thing about it is that when you're at that age you know you you don't, we, t- we kind of talked about this before, you don't really know how to listen to your intuition. You know, like, although mm-hmm. we may have felt all these things physiologically, like exhaustion and, and stress and all those other emotions, but we had no concept of what is right for us. What is our purpose? How long can we keep doing this? How can this be a building or a stepping stone to the next step? It was just, we weren't there yet. We were looking at the situation as if we had many options. And I remember us saying that we, time and time again, felt that we didn't have options. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it can really feel that way because financially you need money, right? And if you built a certain lifestyle to around the amount of money that you make, it's, it's difficult, especially like us without college degrees, to try to find another position that would make you happy where you could make as much money and continue living the way you were. And unfortunately, you know, when you get to that point, you either have to decide, do I want to be happy and change my lifestyle and maybe change some things about my life to downgrade but take some happiness? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, is my lifestyle more important to me and I want to? I would rather keep that and keep trudging through, which there's no shade to either one. Honestly, whatever you would rather do. And we did, the, we did both of those. Mm-hmm. We kept our heads down for both of us almost a decade. And I got to a point where it was more so for me that, you know, I, by the time I stopped nannying, I was 28 and, um, I just, I didn't know, I still don't, if I wanted to have kids or not, but I was like, I can tell you what, (laughs) I, right now, I definitely don't because I feel like I've been raising kids for 10 years. I've, I felt like I've had my kid, I've had multiple children and they've grown and I've watched Mm -hmm. them grow. Yeah. So like. And I know it's not the same thing, but it's really hard to put yourself in that mindset when you are already so exhausted by children. Because I've talked about that in the past. And, mm-hmm. like, that's why people have kids is because they have no idea how exhausting it is. Right. So, you know, I needed to remove myself for that reason. But also because I knew that with nannying, there is, like, 
an emotional bond. <clears throat> and it can be the same thing for any place you work. When you get really invested in the people that you work with and you're so close to them, that can be a major reason for staying. Mm-hmm. And I advise everyone to look at that and think like, if that really is what makes you happy and you're happy to see your coworkers every day and you would rather do that, that's fine. But I think sometimes we're, you know, maybe dating somebody because we like their friends. We are staying at a job because we like our coworkers, but it might not be the best trajectory or the best option. And it was really hard. I cried for what, remember yeah. what, two weeks when I left Natty, when I had to yeah. leave my, fa- my, my kids, as I say? Yeah. No, it you've was had, horrible. You've had many children. Many so children. I love them all. I, no, I, I totally agree <clears throat> with that. And I think, you know, when you do sit back and have those thoughts with yourself of, you know, I feel like when you can find yourself at a fork in the road, you have these two options mm-hmm. and both of them have pros and cons. And no matter what it is that you choose, we're not saying that there is one right answer for all of this, but it's more so whatever it is that you do choose, you do have to accept and realize that there's going to be a sacrifice in some way. And if you are okay with that sacrifice, then you've made the right decision for yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that with us, it took a long time for us to be able to get to that point. And I can totally relate to that same um, notion of just feeling obligated to stay because of the people and part of the reason I I really wanted to shout Sam out too was because that's how I met her was through this job so that was many years ago and we still remain in contact and our friends to this day so you know although we may not be co-workers anymore our actual we just have a really big backyard (laughs) we just have a really big backyard now it all comes full circle and um, you know, even she's moved out of state, she's lived in PA, like we've still remained in touch and, mm-hmm. and remained friends. So I think that if it, if the relationship with these people are important enough and same with you, you've stayed in contact with the families and you can see them from time, yeah. you know, just got their certain card. ones. Yeah. So it's not to say that you're losing anything. It's just going to be different yeah. and you can still make it work if it's that important to you. But again, it's just important to emphasize the fact that with every decision that you make, there is going to be a sacrifice and it's the obstacle of getting to the point of being accepting of that. And that's when you can kind of move forward without any type of baggage or, well, as little baggage as possible. Yeah. Um, you don't want to carry that around with you for the rest of your life. So, but yeah, all of these things I think you do have to look at because ultimately it is your happiness. You spend probably more time with people that you work with generally, mm-hmm. depending on what your job is, than you do with your own family. So mm-hmm. you really you really have to think of yourself and um, do and what's what going to be good yeah, for you. What of yourself that you're giving to your job that is you are no longer then able to give to any other part of your life, like which is very specific to whatever your unique job is. And that changes time to time. Like whatever – like right now I work in real estate and I – you know, we, my husband and I have been in the process of trying to buy a house for a really long time and that has served me. But then there's times where in this I get frustrated because I do know the business so well that it can hinder me and help me. And there's things that I come along with it. But then there's also things like when I was, you know, when I was nannying that there were times I came home and I didn't want to do the dishes. Mm-hmm. I did the dishes all day. You know what I mean? Like right. there were things that were making me then not a fair partner because mm-hmm. I wasn't able to participate in the things that I wanted to at home because I just felt spent by what I had done all day. Um, Mm -hmm. And 
those are the times when you have to like really take a look. And Christy and I both, we, you know, we both took a pay cut when we um, finally made that, when we finally decided to leave. And when I did leave nannying, um, I decided that like, it was a very random opportunity to enter into real estate and uh, work for, as a transaction coordinator for a realtor who I still work for. And it was incredibly scary. I had never worked in an office before. I had never done, uh, I had never had coworkers. I had never worked on a, like, which I'm pretty computer savvy, obviously, Mm -hmm. but I had never done it for a living. I was terrified. Mm -hmm. Beyond that, it was just, it couldn't have been more overwhelming in so many different ways, but it really felt like, do it or die. Do it or stay yeah. here forever. It, do, it does feel, and I remember even at that point you saying to me, yes, the what ifs and what could happen is terrifying, but then think about what you definitely know will happen when you stay here. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah. And it's hard because, again, the emotional leaving, the money, both of it, those two things are so difficult. But at that point, you know, over those 10 years between 18 and 28, we both learned to pay attention to our intuition because back in the beginning when I was young like I always like I said I always trusted my gut and paid attention to my intuition but at the time I really only thought your intuition for was for like disasters or like to prevent you from harm you Mm -hmm. know like I thought that that was the only time I was ever trying to listen to it or Mm -hmm. if I was making like a big big decision which I had never taken my career seriously so none of it was a big decision to me but by that point I was like okay my gut really says that even though this is so weird, I'm going to go ahead and do it. And I definitely think it was the right move mm-hmm. on so many re- on so many levels. Yeah. I, you know, as I've gotten older, I've noticed that all of those cheesy motivational posters that you see with the sayings that are just like, you know, if it scares you, it's what's right. Or mm-hmm. do what scares you. Mm-hmm. And people are like, yeah, fuck that. I'm <laughs> not going to do that. Um But it's true because usually taking a risk, your intuition is telling you that just trust it. Like you just have to trust it and you have to trust yourself. And I know that that is so much easier said than done. And it does take years of life experience and, you know, learning these things to really apply it. But once you do get to that point, um, it all pays off. And sometimes it doesn't show itself even for a little bit, but Either way, if you are removing yourself from from a situation, a job, a relationship that is so extremely harmful and toxic to your mental well-being, then at that point, it's time to go. No matter what it is, you just have to go because you will, I mean, speaking from experience, trying to put myself back into that mindset of how you were saying it kind of takes away from your other relationships in your Mm -hmm. life and you don't really notice it until maybe other people point it out to you because I remember being in therapy and my therapist um, just suggesting to take a look at that, you know, how my relationship may be suffering because I hate my job so much. Mm-hmm. And I I could just tell that it, it does make my outlook generally negative. Why would I want to be well, – I don't want to be a negative person all the time, just always either talking shit about my job, complaining about it, or – dreading going into work the next day and having to be there for five days a week. It's just, it builds up so much on your self that it, at some point, you you just have to go. I mean, you just yeah. have to decide that this is not worth 
literally like slowly killing myself it feels like right and if you're at a point where i want to do a callback if you're at a point where right now you're really trying to decide like how to listen to your intuition while really pulling in some logic i would suggest listening to our previous episode we had with jess Baumgartner, where we talked a lot about career pivots and she offered a lot of really great advice on that specifically because Mm -hmm. she's done it multiple times successfully and we've done it once but um you know it it, she does offer a lot of great advice and some of the stuff we're saying now but then some other things too so if that is something that you are really interested in yes in that episode this this is your sign yeah this is your sign to go listen to that because Mm -hmm. i do want to say that with those pivots it's not to say that now christy and i are so happy every day at work and we're just like living these like joyous lives we still have a job it's a job you know we are working for a living and there's plenty of days that I'm, you know, not in a great mood. I don't want to do my work. I don't want to deal with people, but it does, whatever. But it feels different, but though, it's doesn't different. it? I don't wake up and dread it. Right. I'm not exhausted before I've even begun. I right. don't feel drained. And again, I can't stress enough, this is not to say that, like, it was about the children that I nannied for. It's just when I, I want to, like, kind of hammer home because I think maybe a lot of people don't even know what nannying entails what it's not babysitting so just as like a very brief thing is just to explain because you know I don't want to assume that everybody knows but I worked anywhere I don't know from 50 to 75 hours a week on average for about 10 years and most days started long before 7 a.m if not 7 a.m and long past sunset I was typically putting kids to bed or you know preparing for it um and within that also comes so like house management so anything that runs a house, laundry, cleaning, all the things, doctor's appointments, play dates, everything that a parent would do if they were home is what you do. Down to even like scheduling sleep training, making baby food, everything and beyond. Like so raising children, basically. Raising children, yeah. Like truly raising children. Educating and being them. kind of, you're a, you are on a team with the parents. You are like kind of a, not a, I wouldn't say a full-blown equal player, but you're real close. So um you are the you're the guardian when they're not there so it's much more of a more intense and a lot more um obligation there's a lot more obligations and a lot more on your plate than if you were just babysitting Mm -hmm. or watching children where literally you just have to keep them from dying for a couple of hours um so that's where the dread came in it's like i have kids lives in my hands every day i would have to like try to save someone from choking or not run into the street or don't Stop them from electrocuting themselves or pulling a TV onto themselves. You know what I mean? It's just putting their face into the fireplace. You know, just anything. But then also thinking of ways to like mentally stimulate them and right. enrich them and educate them. So and what not... trips we were going to take and getting along with other nannies mm-hmm. and getting along with other moms and going to story times and things like that. And that's where it starts to get draining. And I'm sure if any of you have kids, you completely understand because these are all the things that you do. Mm-hmm. And that's why I always say that. Parents who stay at home have the hardest job because it is the same as nannying, essentially, other than you're there 24-7. Right. Um, so, which some nannies are, actually. So Yeah. Um, but it's just, yeah, I think that is the part where it's exhausting. When you feel that you have a ton of pressure on you, that's the part that's exhausting because there's a lot of things, there's a lot of great parts about that. And there's some days I wake up now and it's like 70 degrees out and I would love nothing more than to be a nanny and mm-hmm. go take a kid to a park and like have a picnic and... I'm like, God, did I make the right choice? Mm-hmm. Um, well, but I mean, it I just... Did. I know I did. It's... Yes, now you did. Um, it, it's the mental pressure and... Yeah. Or just the mental... 
physical it's the mental physical it feels like your your mental is being physical because it's working so hard every day and it's just like a stress state yeah it's a yeah your adrenaline is just always Mm -hmm. up you're always fight or flight and I think in my experience it was definitely mental pressure but not so much um the same as having children's lives on my hands but more so just how do I keep my composure in an environment where I am essentially being manipulated and gaslighted, gaslit. Right. You were in like a very intense emotional It was more of an emotional I felt like prey almost. Like it just felt like they were they they got a sense for I guess my work ethic. Like I I basically just did my job. Mm-hmm. I just did it well and it was better than anybody that was there because everybody else there were basically delinquents. It's like you worked like on the show The Office, but everyone wasn't lovable. Everyone was actually maybe currently on drugs or um, fresh off them or like in a way where they're not thinking in a, in a norm. No one's thinking rationally. Let's put it that way. Like and a not fun. I remember saying that to you back then. It was like, it sounds like the office, but like not fun. It wasn't even, and it wasn't even a real office. Like that's the other yeah. thing. It wasn't even the people. It was, we literally worked in like a hole in the wall. Like it was like a big closet that had like a small (laughs) kitchen and like a bathroom and we were all in the same room together it was cluttered it was filthy people walked in it felt like it just felt embarrassing to be in it was just like there was stacks of things everywhere i really can't believe you stayed that long there the i can't even get into the intricacies of it because i know that i'm emphasizing it a lot but but the things that went on there we won't speak of. We just can't go there. We can't go there. Well, but my yeah. my main point of this was just the mental exhaustion that I right. endured every single day because the the two people that were in charge, the owners, they were co-owners, but they were also dating. Mm-hmm. They were in their she was in her 40s, he was in his 60s. That whole relationship dynamic itself, it became so volatile that there were points when me and the two owners were screaming at each other. There was a lot of like monetary, like bribery in a way almost to like keep me there. Mm -hmm. It was, I remember actually voicing to them that I was interested in going back to school. It At that point, it had only been a few years that I worked there. And they literally told me to not do it. They said, if you do it, you're not going to make as much money as, you know, if you were to work here Mm -hmm. and um, try to trick me into staying. Just manipulative, yeah. Just so. I just like went back in time for a moment, so I need to like well, calm down. <laughs> what happened? Because she's having a flashback. What was my point? She's having a flashback from Nam. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> flashbangs. So, but I think what's interesting though is that in both of those jobs, you know, we were both stunted mentally in those because even though mine wasn't as traumatic, mine was just overall grueling. Um, yours was different that you stayed at one place. I at least had different families. I didn't stay for one family. You can't. Kids don't grow. They don't need nannies when they're nine. Yeah. Um, so I was forced to, to move on like every couple of years. Um, but I think that what's interesting is that throughout that time, we both knew that we wanted to change, that we wanted to leave. And I think what really, what finally inspired both of us to make a change was kind of, I guess, just realizing that we, what we wanted for the future and that we wanted to help. That we wanted, like, we both, I think, always knew that we wanted to, like, we're kind of helpers in a sense of, like, we both kind of always are. And, like, you are, you help animals. And I... Well, I've just always been an animal person in general. Right. It wasn't, I don't think that I, 
I think it was just my love of animals. I wanted to do something with animals Mm -hmm. and my options for what was feasible as far as getting an education that way was to be a vet tech. And, but it always held me back because of the projected salary. So Mm -hmm. that's really what um, I was apprehensive about. So that's kind of why I prolonged the process. It was always just about the money. It was like, well, I know I hate it here and I know that this is really just... I can't, I hate going to work every single day, but I need the money. But then we also, in between those jobs, so I transitioned from nannying into real estate. You transitioned from working at the magazine, which was that longstanding job that was mm-hmm. terrible, into working at... An insurance, oh no. To, uh... Yeah, I think you did work at an insurance agency, right? Yeah. Oh, I did yes. because I do specifically remember. So one of the little fun facts about working at this magazine was that um, although we were all in the same room and we were all grown adults who can take care of themselves, they had cameras like mm. hidden in places. And like mm. they would tell us that they were, it was like a threat basically, like don't fuck up because we're watching you. So very big brother. And I do remember when I started working at the insurance agency right off the bat, they gave me my own office. The one boss, he like left for the day and I was scanning the room for the cameras. I was like, where are they? I know they're here. I know they're, you don't just leave me unattended. Like you don't, you don't do that. So where are you watching me? Truly, And it was so such a mind fuck because I was just coming out of, I felt like a prisoner and I was finally Yeah, and it was like a very freed. nice, normal office. It, oh my God. But like, lovely you people. You transitioned there. I, and even though you made the transition out of your long-term career at the magazine, into that and then into your career as a vet tech before I made my transition. I still lingered on and nannying mm-hmm. for a few years in there. So that's why we're not totally on the time same timeline. But we both ultimately transitioned into other jobs. And then with that freedom came the ability to even think about what we wanted to pursue. Mm-hmm. So even though mine was necessarily that I wanted to help, I always knew I wanted to help people. You always knew you wanted to help animals or like work with animals. Um, that was just a very quiet thought deep down Mm -hmm. somewhere like it was always there for us it wasn't truly a light bulb moment where either of us were surprised by what we wanted to do but we wouldn't have even been able to do that had we not moved into a career where we weren't so mentally drained and able to think about the Mm -hmm. positive the possibilities and what we could do and what we really care about Mm -hmm. and I think that's the thing is like if you're at a job where you're exhausted every day and you come home and you're just tired or but you feel happy Mm -hmm. with your job that's okay because you can stay there. But if you're coming home exhausted and <clears throat> unhappy and unfulfilled, that's when you should maybe just take any other job, even if it's not the one, mm-hmm. just to give yourself the mental space while still making money to mm-hmm. figure out what you want to do. Yes. And it, it, it goes back to being able to utilize that technique of of the strategy and the logic because you do have to, you do have to implement logic in your moves. Like mm-hmm. even if you're getting out of – a situation you want to make sure that you're going to be entering into something that is going to be stable enough for you. You don't want to just haphazardly go out there and be willy-nilly. Mm-hmm. So you do have to have some strategy there, but also trusting that you know when it's time to go. I knew that when I'm like so unhappy and upset every single day going to work, I don't want to live that way anymore. It That's kind of what switched for me where I was like it's I can't do this anymore it's really not like we said yes you might have to take a pay cut and Mm -hmm. you might have to change things about your life um to help support that but at the end of the day happiness over money always Christy and I say it to each other all the time 
Again, I know not everyone feels that way and no shade to you. Some like my husband loves money. He would definitely say money over happiness. <laughs> but I'm trying to persuade him to the other way right now. But, you know, I think that however you feel just to try to like stay true to that and remind yourself and it is a good mantra to to say to yourself of like whatever it is anything you know happiness uh peace of mind whatever it is that is more important than money because money is only like there's you know it's just a simple monetary value it's not it's you could still have all the money in the world and be at a job that you hate and spend your life miserable. Yeah, because that money is not going to fix I've it. I've lived, I've lived that life, or Same, I lived yeah. the life that I thought that I wanted, and mm-hmm. I thought that that's what I would do for the rest of my life. Not that magazine specifically, but just do something with little effort involved and mm-hmm. make a bunch of money. And it doesn't work that way. And the thing that I always kind of use as a reference when I think about that time period of my life is just it. It does feel like a relationship your job feels like a relationship. So the same techniques that you can use, say, if, you know, you're in an unhappy relationship, you know, it's kind of the same thing. You have to weigh, you have to weigh the good with the bad. And no matter what it is that you choose, you just have to be happy with what you do. You know what I mean? So it's yeah, the same thing I, with a job. And acknowledging that, you know, this whole, there's like a mentality, I feel like in, you know, I guess across the world where it's like, put your head down and just get through it. And I think sometimes people just put their head down and get through it and look up and it's been 40 years and they never did the thing they wanted to do. So I think it's, I think that whole mentality is really like overvalued of like, just get through it and just get through the day. You don't have to love your job, but you should not be miserable. You shouldn't be spending the same way, like you said, with a relationship with anything, you shouldn't be spending every day of your life miserable. There will Mm -hmm. be difficult moments, but you shouldn't dread it. Right. If you do, that's a pretty good sign that it's time to go. Yes. Um, I wanted to play, like, on the cuff. I was just thinking about it. So we should name, let's name, what are the job? what are all the jobs that you've had? You don't have to go into them. What are all the jobs? Not all of them, I guess, but, like, most of the jobs that you've had. Because I know you started off. So I worked in, um, I worked at a Learning Express uh-huh. doing um, personal, like, I was, like, I was like, oh, I'm I like art, so I'll be the one to personalize That's what things. Okay, right. Um, and then I worked at a Five Below doing retail, right. And then I worked at Schmelko Magazine. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I worked at McCollum Insurance. Should I name drop? I worked at an insurance well, McCollum, agency. We've, talking, we've said nothing but great things. Okay, <laughs> we can hype them up. Look them, look I don't, them to them. If I still in this don't area, know the rules great. of like I use saying I use things my in public. To them. They're great. <laughs> McCollum is Shout out McCollum Insurance. <laughs> worked at McCollum Insurance. Lovely people. Fantastic. Um, I worked at Hope Veterinary Specialists. Mm-hmm. And now I work where I work now, which right. I won't disclose. Right. You don't need to disclose that. Yeah. For like any But it's another veterinary fans. hospital. I just thought it was just for – because we were talking about jobs. I just think it's interesting that – because you forget. Like I even forgot about the Learning Express. Like I knew that you're early on jobs. But like they're just – it's just funny because even when we became friends, part of the reason that we – connected was because although I so I started off my very first real job was at a Walgreens mm-hmm. a, like a mile that's away from house yeah that's when we met and I lived pretty far we've talked about this before but we lived pretty far apart from each other like we grew up about 45 minutes away so I worked although even back then like I was like love a commute I was like I feel like I'm an adult oh yeah so I would go work there at nighttime I worked in the pharmacy at Walgreens and that was a job again I'm so sorry if you're listening I did just stop showing up to that one as well um (laughs) 
I could feel, I could still feel the disappointment on my own self. And then I worked at all of the chain restaurants, Bennigan's, Applebee's, Ruby Tuesdays, you name it. Um, and then it was that daycare center, mm-hmm. right? Am I missing one? I like painted houses over a summer and cleaned, I cleaned houses down the shore over a summer. Um, that was when I was 18. I, what I'm trying to think if there's, oh, I worked at a rave girl. I worked at PacSun. Oh, rave girl. Yeah. Those were really my first jobs. I te- I'd say that Walgreens was, but like in high school, I worked at rave girl where they made me clean up human pee one day. That was the last day for that. Mm-hmm. PacSun where I, every year was like, please let me stay. And they were like, you're seasonal. Get out of here. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, I have a studded belt though. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then it went on to, yeah, the chain restaurants where everyone, um, you know, manipulated me, abused me. That was kind of like my version of, of the magazine where I just got like hazed mm-hmm. at all of them and like food spilled on me and just like yelled at and like beer thrown on me and just like, get me another, just like the worst. <laughs> and then, yeah, the daycare center and then four families that I nannied for mm-hmm. and then real estate transaction mm-hmm. coordinator, which is where I am now. And then hopefully public relations in about a year and a half. Well, and I want to just say that, you know, with all of this, we we can confidently say that we did bear the fruit of our labor in terms mm-hmm. of like listening to our gut but then also doing what was logical for us at the time to to make that leap to get out of this position that was making us so exhausted, tired, unhappy for so long because yes, although we did both take a pay cut, I and you have ha- we've been presented with opportunities now in something that seemed like it would almost be detrimental to us in a way because we're not making as much money. But right. now we have opportunities to actually get ahead. And that and, mental freedom, yeah. Right. So we kind of came out on top in that sense where it's like – We would have never – you would have never been able to go to school back then working at the magazine or at a job that was that no. exhausting. And I would have never been able to go to school while nannying. Like I was certified as a personal – oh, I certified as a personal trainer and I did yoga for a little bit too – Personal training, though, that I did do while nannying, but, you know, that was a short, really short course that wasn't a dedicated time. Um, and, again, I was willing – I, I was, like, a queen of certifications. I loved a certification, anything to avoid, like, a long-term, real-deal school degree. And once I got over that and realized that, you know, if I – if the things that I want to do, although I always felt like I didn't want to cave in and become one of those people who like went back to school just to make money. And I know I've talked about that before, but like that was a big part of my hesitation about like getting a career or really moving out of my job. Like I wanted it to be so aligned with my purpose. And I can't stress enough that that time and that freedom to allow yourself to align your purpose with what you want to do is so important because you can't do that when you're in that like we said, like we said before, that panic mode or that survival mode. Like it's literally impossible to get to that calm state that you do like when you're meditating where you thoughts or like you're in the shower, like Jess said on our other mm-hmm. episode, thoughts just come to you. And if you don't, if you're not in a space that you can receive it, it's it's just going to, you're never going to be able to move. So yeah, I think that moving into this in real estate now, I can't believe it's already been four years. It's crazy, but I know I have another two years to go, and then I'll be moving on to PR, and who knows what that will bring. Um, but yeah, I think yeah. I mean the main. I think the main takeaway is really just always value your happiness and your well being over everything. And mm-hmm. yes, you acknowledge. 
yep, acknowledge all of the sacrifice and the fear and the risk. There's always going to be risk and it's always going to be scary to do something completely outside of your wheelhouse. But I mean, it's it's your life. Why would you waste it hating what you do every day? And even if you have to, there was times where I considered, because I, I don't want to speak, I don't want to come from a thing where it's like, you know, it's easy for us to say or that, you know, for people who have kids or have people who rely on them that they need to make a certain amount of money. It can be difficult to decide to leave your job. However, if you can even think creatively and say, okay, what if I can take a part-time job, get two part-time jobs, or if I can get a part-time job and then work from home or find some kind of freelance something I can do and get creative in a sense where it might not be traditionally what you've always done, but there's a way to supplement your income and just take a breather in terms of stress because having two jobs might actually be less stressful than that one overbearing job that you have now especially if you work for someone like you did or I have in the past even in real estate like people who are just nightmare people who are just stressing you out well and then there's also there's also some um benefit in what you learn about yourself you Mm -hmm. know it's not just the job itself and the money and what makes more sense to live but it's also it also kind of helps teach you standards it gives you standards of what you are willing to tolerate or what you're willing to and what you're capable of what you're capable of doing and and getting through because I would just say that from that job from that horrible horrible experience I began to speak up for myself and really take a look at what was going on around me and assess it in a way that was like this is not only just affecting me but it's affecting so many people here in a negative way and I'm going to speak up for myself. And now it took some years to fine tune exactly how I uh, how I communicate those things. But the notion of at least just standing up for what I believe in and sticking up for myself, that was also an important takeaway. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it, it just, it extends itself to so many different levels of your life. But it's all things to pay attention to when you're in it. Yeah. And I think that we say that, you know, we always believe that in terms of relationships, jobs, that kind of, if one if you don't believe that one necessarily may be led to the other, as I do, like a kind of, I always think that things, I believe in fate and I believe things happen for a reason. If that's not easy for you to think about, you can at least think about each takeaway that you got from each position that you've had Mm -hmm. and how that made you more capable to either do the job, the next job that you went into, or you learned like a relationship, what you definitely don't want to do or do want to do. There is no just like wasted experience. So even if you're in one of those absolutely terrible jobs that we're speaking of right now, and it can feel so never ending, um, and I'm with you on it, but just know that if you can take a minute and think about the future and try to think about what you want to do, even that that hope and planning for the future can help get you through. So that's another, that's something that you and I did that we still do, because obviously it's not that our jobs are totally fine. They're great, but they're not our dream jobs or what we're going to do forever. And even now, it's that we constantly talk to each other about the future, what we're planning on doing to make sure that we're getting through because this is just the path. This isn't the destination for either of us. Well, yeah. I mean, I I think... Like, even you're still... Like, you talked about last week, you're getting your certification and stuff. Like, Yeah. My responsibilities won't change necessarily, but it'll open up more opportunities. So it's not like... You know, I, I think that I'm definitely getting – I'm already getting a lot out of, out of the position that I'm in because mm-hmm. I've been in it now for, you know, five years or so. But it's not to say that you're going to leave a horrible job. You're going to find your dream job right after. It, you know, it may take a couple to get there. But then once you are in a position of 
being able to plant your feet and feel pretty comfortable for a long time and enjoy what you do and have a passion for it, then at that point, you know, in terms of looking into the future, it can just be ways to extend onto what you're already doing Mm -hmm. or just look for opportunities, you know, in places you may not expect. Yeah. So So I think with all that being said, I mean, I think hopefully any of that helps you guys. Um, Did you want to say any other tidbits of advice? No, just um, just if... Yeah, I mean, if this, if you've been thinking about, if you've been in a position or you are in a position right now where you feel on the fence, but generally you're not happy and you think that maybe there could be something else out there for you, you know, just take this as a sign to look at your situation and maybe consider exploring other options. And right now there's, with the pandemic, I know that it's difficult to find new jobs, but at the same time, there's also a lot of new jobs being created and different types of new creative at-home jobs. So um, it's it might seem a little grim, but it's really not. I think that you there's a lot of opportunity out there. Um, it's just might be a little bit unconventional. So just keep your options open. And like we said, happiness over money. Um, but so do you want to hop into our Diamonds of the Week? Yes. So Diamonds in the Rough, if you're not familiar, are a bright spot in a dark week. Yeah. And you know what? I would like to say that this past week was actually not a dark week. Because um, it was our first week of a new presidency. That was, yeah, that was definitely, that was a high point. That was a high point for sure. Every day waking up and seeing, this isn't even my diamond, I just have to say really quick, but every day waking up and seeing his new executive orders and he's like, boom, boom, <laughs> undoing it. He's like, today, he was like, transgender people can be in the military. And I was like, that's right. Yeah, yeah. they can. Yeah. Thank God. Oh, yeah. I mean, that. I can't, I can't go so relieved off on too much of a tangent, but I, I, just I am so relieved. just relieved. Um, yep. But yeah, the, the week was pretty, it was actually pretty nice overall I started out on a good note I had a good therapy session Monday Mm -hmm. and then this past weekend um, I spent most of the time I would say my entire weekend was spent with my nearest and dearest and I think that my diamond of the week okay she's talking about me um and other people too there were more there was not just Katie um (laughs) but uh I got so distracted by (laughs) Katie's friendship (laughs) so my bright spot would really just be my my relationships with my with my people my with the closest people that I have and I I get into my feelings a lot after having um just a reinvigorating time with friends you know I know that it sounds very Disney Channel to be like I love my friends so much they make me happy but but I think this weekend we I got to catch up really with like having a good catch up with close friends that Two of them, I do work with them every single day, but it was just different because we were able to really spend the whole day together and catch up. And then with you and our other friend, Ray, it was just something that made me feel really grateful for having gone through so much shit, like not just with you and Ray, but also with my other two friends too. And it was just something that really made me realize like, this is what lights me up in my life is like is my relationships with my people. And it mm-hmm. makes me feel not only proud of our relationships with each other, but, you know, everything that I've done thus far has been worth it. So um, I guess this kind of, you know, kind of lines up with the episode just in terms of listening to your intuition. But I've, it, I've, I'm here right now with these people because I've valued my happiness over anything else. Mm-hmm. And now they're just like stronger than ever. And I'm just feeling... Just re-energized, just re-energized yeah, on life alive. and yeah, just feeling alive and good. So, you know, it's a little broad, but 
it was just a good week. Yeah. No, I agree. So. Yeah, I agree. I think there's definitely a bit of a lighter vibe in the air in terms of everything and everyone feels, again, maybe out of that survival mode and now into mm-hmm. a mode of feeling like we can start appreciating things and looking around because we have been in a survival just day to day trying to just take it as it comes yeah. whatever new nightmare would pop up so mm-hmm. whack-a-mole style so i think yeah i i understand that vibe and i i agree um yeah so what's your diamond um uh, my diamond is not as emotional um <laughs> i just am almost done my book nine perfect strangers which i don't think i've talked about that one on here i'm not going to talk about the book <laughs> I'm so not I'm laugh- talk about the book. no i'm just laughing because <laughs> katie has told me about like 13 different books she's like did i tell you about that book i'm reading nine perfect strangers the vanishing so at first i thought that it was called have i been done <laughs> i thought it was nine vanishing acts or something and i was like really thrown off just now because i was like i thought it was called the vanishing strangers which one are we talking about <laughs> okay so the vanishing half uh, was my diamond oh weeks okay ago. <laughs> I did finish that. That was about those two twin sisters. Right. Right. Okay. That was that was a book that I loved but hated the ending. Okay. This book, um, I haven't finished yet. I'm almost finished. Literally like five percent left on my Kindle. But uh it's by that same author who wrote Big Little Lies. So uh-huh. I like all of her stuff. Her name is Leanne Marty. I like all of her books. But this one is very different than all of the other ones more intense. Um, and I won't give anything away. It's just about like nine strangers that end up going to a wellness retreat. Hmm. that's all i'll say um take that with with it what you will i'll make sure that i link it in some way on our instagram story so you guys can check it out it's a really really good book i i think i can't imagine what type of person because there's kind of something for everybody it's one of those Hmm. things that each chapter is from a different person's perspective so i think no matter who you are there's a character that you probably would yeah that you would relate to in some sense so uh, yeah, that's my diamond. It's just been a really good book. I think in terms of like TV and stuff, I don't have a ton going on. Like I don't, I'm not really watching anything. Um, I haven't really been in the mood to. We have. Yeah. It's been like life has just been really crazy. You know, secret projects. So, um, <laughs> that you know, I'll like swipe to shop, like link you guys on later. But um, <laughs> yeah. So it's just been crazy. So there's that's really all I have going on is that yeah. book. Well, um, I think it was. Yeah, I think with. With the current events in the world, I think that it has helped a lot. Just give everyone a moment to, to regroup here yeah, and decompress. So I'm glad for that, thankful for that, mm-hmm. and thankful for all of the vanishing stranger acts that <laughs> are to come. Of the vanishing um, strangers. Yeah. We did say we would have a guest, so just stay tuned for that. We do still th- – let me just say – we believe that to be true. And if it's not, we will update you guys. But I do believe <laughs> that we will have a guest next week. If we don't, we it'll don't. be us okay? again. <laughs> it'll just be us. <laughs> and if we don't, we won't. So we, just so know that. Just take um, that with your journey. All right. So uh, yeah, just plug us. Tell us, tell us yeah, where so they, they can find us. Yeah, so if you would like to send us a DM with any of your thoughts and feelings, any of the terrible jobs that you've had, uh, you could DM us on Instagram at we don't know her pod. You could also send us an email at we don't know her pod at gmail.com if you have some longer thoughts and feelings or maybe some business inquiries. I don't know. Anything. If you want us to appear at your Zoom birthday party, I don't know. Maybe we'd be down wow. for it. I don't yeah. know. In Taiwan. Okay. I don't know. In Taiwan. I'll do whatever. Uh, I'm down. So yeah, make please reach out to us. You could also, um, you know, Christy, why don't you let them know what they could do on iTunes? 
Just let them know what they could do. I don't know that people know about these features. I don't know they know all the things you could do on iTunes. They know um, they know they can hear us, but I don't know if they yeah, know you more can than find that. us. So you can search for us there, mm-hmm. and then you can subscribe to us there. But you could also rate and leave a review there. A review. So right. please feel free. I know it's um it's a new concept, but we're exploring. So try it out. And, and I know um, that it's, you hear, like, everyone say that at the end of every podcast, and I'm going to go ahead and be dead honest. I don't know that I've ever left a review on any of the podcasts that oh, I've I listened to. Okay, you have. Oh, I have. So half of us have. So I'm going to go ahead and do that. Maybe that's my karma. I'm going to leave some reviews, some stunning reviews for all the podcasts I love. And if you guys, well, let's start a little challenge. Leave uh, some reviews for <laughs> us, and then we'll just keep this party going. Okay, Katie's trying to pay it forward here. Yeah. Um. Well, on that note, guys, mm-hmm. we'll see you on the next one. All right, peace. Bye.